Hello, and welcome to Living Proof, the teaching ministry of Joseph Castillo. We encourage you to listen to today's message over and over again, so that the Word of God will be in your spirit. Be a blessing, share it with your friends, and we pray that you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We also invite you to visit us online at www.anifbeijing.com. Hey, praise the Lord, everybody. God bless you. This is Bishop Joseph Castillo, and we are on Living Proof TV studio this morning, this Wednesday morning here in America. The date, I have no idea, was January 19th, I believe. So we're midway through January. I'm uh, we wrapping up a fast in our ministry, a 21-day fast here in a couple of days. And uh, I kind of, I'm doing two meals, fasting two meals, and then eating once a day. And I was so hungry this morning, I already ate my meal on the way here. So now I'm going to have to suffer for the rest of the day. But I'm live in the studio here with my friend Christian. Christian, uh, you know, your last name is interesting because there's a famous actress star with your last name, Christina. You know who she is? Yes. And, and so I'm not, do you pronounce it like she does? Teague. Teague. Is it, how does yes. she pronounce it? Is it Christina Teague too? Christina, I believe so. Okay. She... Yeah. You're not related, are you? No. <laughs> yeah. When I first saw your last name, I thought, I said, oh, this is a famous name. I wonder if there's any yeah. any relation. I think she was like Mary the John Legend or something like that. Or oh, is that Jane, right? Something like that, yeah. I don't follow that stuff too much, but I know your name is famous, though. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. Now, what is that name? Is that, a, is that a Native American name? Is that a German name? Like, what is that name? I believe it's an Irish name. Okay, it was, it was Mick Teague, and then they dropped the Mick, and then just became Teague. <laughs> That would be funny if your name was McTeague. Yep. <laughs> I would have got a kick out of that. Oh, McTeague. I can't do an Irish accent, but you know, uh, believe it or not, I actually have some Irish in me. But because I'm Italian too, the Italian part of my family refuses to admit that they're Irish. Right. But it's actually came up in our like, you know, our ancestry.com or whatever. Yes. So we really are Irish. But the Italians in my family are in denial <laughs> because, you know, the Irish did a lot of bad things to the Italian people right. when they first immigrated right. here. So the Italians were the cops and the I mean, excuse me, the, the Irish were the cops and the Italians were the criminals. So they were really persecuted a lot by the, by the <laughs> Irish. But anyway, Chicago is a big Irish city. And uh, and once a year we get to have green beer and green bagels and, you know, for for St. Patty's Day, you know. That's great. But we got Christian in the TV studio with us, and uh, and Christian just feel comfortable. We brought Christian on, uh, not because he wants to say anything, you know, but we brought him on because uh, we're buddies and we were praying together this morning, and we were talking about the Holy Spirit and the hunger for God and the, and the things of the Spirit. And I said, why don't you join us on the TV show? And if you have any questions, you could ask me live, uh, or if you want to challenge me, whatever, ask me live. And so this way, because any thought that you might have, other people might have. 
Right. You know, any kind of question you might have, other people might have. So so I, I like the natural dynamic because sometimes people ask you questions. Sometimes people say things and you're like, man, that was interesting and that was good. Or I'm glad you brought that up. And if you're like me, a YouTuber or blogger or whatever, you know, podcaster, actually, mm -hmm. you know, you think like, man, that would have been a good conversation for the show. You know right. what I mean? So why not have the conversation on the show? It makes it more interesting. So we got two angles today. One angle is like this, so I could talk directly to you when I'm teaching. And then one is our angle where you could see us on the show. We're going to have Pastor, I believe we're going to have Pastor Brian on here this morning. He's going to do a couple worship songs. Uh, let me check in with Pastor Brian and see how he is. But while I'm checking in on Pastor Brian, we're going to share with you uh, a very important a series we have, and I want to make it available and free for everybody on divine healing, considering mm -hmm. all the different variants and viruses going around. So let me uh, give that to you guys uh, and let and tell you a little bit about it. And I can send you a free link with that series. You see, the reason why we don't see the miracle power of God is because our belief system is not lined up with the word of God's belief system. But when we begin to line up our belief system with the word of God, then we begin to see the miraculous. Amen. Call now and get Joseph Castillo's Supernatural Healing CD series, which includes almost six hours of in-depth Bible teaching and inspirational preaching on how to fight for your healing, when is God's timing for a miracle, is it God's will to heal everyone? This is an exclusive offer for our Living Proof audience. Yours for a donation of only $49. Shipping and handling are included. In addition, order and we will throw in a free USB thumb drive for your computer along with your CD set. I'm going to make it free for you guys. You don't have to pay the money. We're going to make that free for you guys. Uh, so don't worry about the price on that. That's just a retail price. We're going to give it to you, not the hard cities, but we'll give it to you digitally. And you can have that entire series digitally. We're going to give Man. it to you free. Just DM me. And if you do want to sow and give to the ministry, um, we, you know, we invite you to encourage you to do that. I think I have some ways here that you can do. So let me put that on there. Online giving. So there's different ways you can give and sow <coughs> into the ministry. Number one is Zell. You got Zell there on the screen. And you can Zell a, a seed into the ministry. We have a need right now for about $10,000 in the ministry urgently. So if you want to participate, you can. Uh, anifcontact at gmail.com. You can sow a seed by Zell. Uh, cash app is Anif Tulsa. You can cash app at Anif Tulsa. And PayPal is, the is I think it's paypal.me forward slash the River Church Tulsa. So those are the different ways you can see online. And... Um, yeah, the River Church Tulsa, PayPal. So forward slash the River Church Tulsa, and you can sow and give that way. But as far as the teaching there, I just want to make that free and bless mm. everybody online mm. uh, that's watching the show. So anyways, God bless everybody. And today we're going to be continuing on 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And I've not heard back from Pastor Brile. I wanted to invite Pastor Brile to come on today and do a couple worship songs with us. So let me, let me, I'm not getting any response. So, you know, let me just uh, 
see. Let me give him a call here. Let's give him a call, see where he's at. We're going to do this live on the air. Let's see if he picks up. Phone and a friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? Who wants to be a millionaire? <laughs> I pick phone a friend. <laughs> oh, Pastor B's talking. Let me mute my mic. Praise God. Um, I thank everyone who uh, waited for me. <laughs> God is good. Thank you, Bishop, for this opportunity. Before we started the service, I had some technical problems. Thank God uh, that you're here, and we're just going to do worship. You know, we're just going to enjoy the presence of God, and we'll be here. We'll just pull up my volume more. I, I missed um, playing this worship song, Bishop, and I hope that everyone will be uh, aware of how God loves us, but there is this one big question. When was the last time that you said you love Jesus? When was the last time that you said that, Lord? I just give you praise. Hallelujah. And I love you. And I leave my voice. Let it be a sweet. 
Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Pastor Brown, we thank you today for leading us in such a presence and beautiful 
atmosphere of God. And um, we, we bless you too. And uh, if you guys, uh, not if, as you sow, we're going to declare as you sow that we're going to bless Pastor B as well for him coming on and, and helping us with the worship. We want to sow into Pastor B. Um, there in Manila, Philippines. And Pastor B, can you please, uh, what's the what's the situation now with, with quarantine and COVID, enhanced community quarantine, the variants? What's going on right now in the Manila? Um, we have to be honest with you. Um, we're really having a hard time here. And uh, a lot has been going on since the past few weeks, since the, the, the month of January started. So currently right now we're still on level three, alert level three. Uh, we're still on a, a minor lockdown because every day the, the, they said that the, the, the virus is spreading again, the Omicron is spreading again. And matter of fact, even though we're already vaccinated, we, uh, we, are, we, we actually thought of uh, making ourselves considered as also positive already for the past few weeks but praise god right now um so so far bishop we have to be honest with you we just actually experienced like a, a like a minor flu we had some colds some coughs and but then of course we were really having a hard time because uh, uh everything is again not that much uh free and we're, we're a bit limited when it comes to the church we need to go back to uh, only 30 percent of our congregations so, uh, wow. you know uh, but, but god is good uh, we're, we're doing our best to to you know stay alive and you know uh worship god and, and still do ministry uh, focusing on our families fo focusing more on on, on house house churches yeah, we've still managed to uh, uh, do uh, uh, our Sunday services and also a lot of people from Visayas the, the, the middle part of the Philippines and, and part of Mindanao is still recovering from the, the, the typhoon uh, we call it the typhoon that last uh, December so a lot of churches we have a few churches that have been totally wrecked and damaged so yeah, I saw the picture of some of the churches there, totally yeah, torn down by the yeah. by the typhoon. Still recovering, but yeah, you know God is still God. You know, in good times and in bad times, that's what the Bible says. You know, we have to worship God and you know, we have to give Him praise. Amen. Yeah, that's the real situation here in the Philippines right now. Yeah, well, there's a, a lot of wealth and prosperity in America, and we're praying that uh, God would touch people's hearts to help sow and give. To be a blessing uh, to to the kingdom of God and the works of God in Philippines and in Mongolia and China and the different places, but we definitely, as people sow here on this platform, we want to bless and sow into your ministry there in Manila, and, uh, and we thank you for your your ministry too. Thank you, Pastor Brown, for worshiping with us. We bless you, and uh, Christian, this is Pastor B. Pastor B, pleasure to meet you. And uh, Pastor B, this is my friend Christian. Hi, I believe that he's Christian too. Yes, sir. <laughs> Hallelujah. <I am> a... <laughs> All right, Pastor B. 
God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you, Bishop Christian. Amen. Love you, sir. Amen. Amen. So, praise God. That's Pastor Brile there in Manila, Philippines. And if you have a Bible, we want to have you to look in your Bible today to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And we're going to go for about 25, 30 minutes. And we're going to continue on this subject. And we're going to be dealing with lots of issues. But one of the things I want to kind of center in on is this doctrine of devils that says you must have an interpreter when you speak in tongues. So that is a, a doctrine of devils. We're going to deal with that one. We did deal with it quite a bit in the last teaching on this series, part two of, of this series on speaking in tongues, the book of First Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, do you need an interpreter to speak in tongues? And then the original question was raised by, I believe it was Michael Todd said something. And then Alan Parr, Marcus Rogers had a debate about what he said. And, and the subject was, do you have to speak in tongues to have the Holy Spirit? Or is the evidence of having the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues? So we, we discussed that issue. We talked about that on the first episode. Second episode, we talked about, do you need an interpreter? And then I began to teach on 1 Corinthians chapter 14 because most people uh, that have gone to seminary and have Bible college degrees have misread this chapter for years. So I just last session, I began to teach on 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And we in one hour, we didn't even get past verse 1, just unpacking so much revelation in one verse. Listen, if you just casually read the Bible, <coughs> I'm not trying to condemn you, but if you're just casually reading the Bible, verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, verse 4, and you're not really examining and praying and and and, and digging around, you're you're not you 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 you're not really, you know, it's like if somebody is going to uh, look for a diamond, you know, there's, 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 you're going to shop for a diamond for your fiance. Well, you could just see a ring over the counter and say, yeah, that looks nice. And that's what the casual Christian will do. Oh, yeah, that looks nice. Amen. But the actual jeweler, they're going to pull out some kind of devices and tools, and they're going to look into the diamond and they're going to look for clarity. They're going to look for scratches. They're going to look for, you know, different things. You might know more about diamonds than me, but the price of a diamond, the value is much more than just uh, how many, you know, how big it is, but it's also the clarity, right? And the cut, right. you know, the Jews make so much money. Uh, I mean, the Jews are the ones that dominate the, the diamond industry. They're the ones that make all the money. But there's no diamonds in Israel, you know. How come the Jews make all the money off the diamonds when the diamonds are coming from Liberia and they're coming from Africa? Why? It's because there's no real money in raw diamonds. The real money is in the cutting of the diamond. 
So mm. the real money is made, and in, now Indians, India is number two. I think the Jewish people are number one in the world as far as best diamond cutters. Mm -hmm. And then number two in the world I heard was Indians. So India is number two. But the Jewish people, and in, 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 in of course in Israel, they're, they're number one in the world of cutting the diamonds. And they're the ones that actually give the value to the diamonds. Mm. So a diamond that, you know, found in the mud, in the river, in Liberia, is, is worth very low value. The large margins of profit that are in the diamond industry is found in the cutting of the stone. So, you know, it's one thing to look at a diamond and say that's nice, but it's another thing to know how to cut it and how to look at it and examine it and look for clarity and, and fractures of light. And now you actually become somebody who is an expert in that field. And so most Christians just kind of read the scriptures, casually look at it and say amen, but they don't see the, the light fractures that come out of the truths, and they don't see the clarity that's in the verses. They just kind of read through it and never give much thought to it, and then they, they go around, unfortunately, parroting uh, mainstream doctrines even when they're false saying things like you must have an interpreter uh you must have a well it's even worse they say stuff like you must have a translator so th that's even worse so they say oh well you must have a translator if you don't have a tra someone to translate it you know then you shouldn't be speaking in tongues why is that even worse because the bible doesn't say you have to have a translator you have to understand a translator and an interpreter are different things so a translator does one thing, an interpreter does another thing. And the Bible says the, that there is a gift of interpretation of tongues, not translation. So there's a big difference between interpretation and translation. A Christian, what are, what do you think would be some differences between an interpretation and a translation? Mm. Translation is when you're trying to figure out what's being said. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm puzzled about that as well. That's why I'm here. Well, interpretation and translation, a translation is a word from word. So like, you know, I've traveled around and I preached in a lot of countries and I, I always use a translator mm -hmm. uh, in secular business. There's translators if you're dealing internationally, right? Mm -hmm. In the hospitals, they have translators because Mexican people go to the hospital, Chinese people go to the hospital, and they're in the ER. They're 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 having symptoms. Well, they have to have a translator to to translate to the doctors what this person's condition is, what they're experiencing. So, they're, a translator does a word from word, mm -hmm. but uh, someone that that to give an interpretation means. Uh, to interpret what is being said. So an interpretation could be quite different than a translator. So I'll give you an example of, of, of kind of a funny experience, a frustration that I've had oftentimes living in China when my wife was going to be the translator. Well, my wife, I didn't like her as a translator because when I'm talking, I want people to say word from word what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So if I say hello, I want them to say ni hao. Mm -hmm. If I say I'm very hungry, I want them to say well, hun, uh, exactly what I said, right. especially when I'm negotiating contracts in China to do business and stuff. So my wife, she didn't like 
the way I talked and dealt and so forth. So my wife never translated for me. She interpreted for me. Mm -hmm. So she would basically hear what I said and then interpret it the way she sees it and then tell them what she thinks. Mm -hmm. And so now I would get quite frustrated because I I was trying to say specific things and I know that's not what I said, right? but she would just kind of say it her her way. Mm -hmm. She would get the point of cross, but not in the way that I wanted to. So she was interpreting me, but not necessarily translating me. And in the interpretation, sometimes she was wrong. She didn't really catch catch what I wanted to say. And sometimes she felt like I was too too asking too much money or I was going too cheap. Or So she would kind of doctor it up to the way she felt like it would be right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So we would get frustrated. She would interpret for me, but not translate. Right. You know, so interpret is different. Even in, in, in this culture, we have what's called the interpretive dance. So where somebody will, through dance, interpret what the song means or through dance they'll interpret what's the heart of god in a worship service Mm -hmm. so interpreting is quite different than translating it's not a word from word but it's giving a your interpretation how you look at what is being said how you perceive what is being said and then you interpret that in your language to the church or to the crowd or whatever so to interpret tongues is different to translate if I'm translating, the length of what I'm saying is going to be the length of what they were saying. Right. But if I'm interpreting, they can say a whole bunch of stuff, and my in, my interpretation could be very short. So sometimes I would be talking to someone, I would just be like, blah, 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 blah. And then my wife would just turn to the person, and her translation would be, shing. <laughs> Well, Xiang means like, okay. In other words, what my husband means is, okay, we'll do the deal. <laughs> but uh, uh, everything you said, just forget it. We'll do the deal, you know? So that was her interpretation of what I said. <laughs> well, sometimes people could give a very long tongue and the in, in, in the, the interpretation could be a very short thing. Or somebody could give a very short tongue and it's so profound that the interpretation is a very long thing. For example, even if you look at some of the Proverbs, a proverb might be just one verse, uh, one or two sentences. It could have only you know 10 to 12 words in a proverb. But when you have to interpret that proverb, explain that proverb to somebody, it might take you five, six minutes to explain 12 words because you're not translating the proverb, you're interpreting the proverb. Mm. So we're talking, when the Bible talks about interpretation of tongues, there must be an interpreter. It doesn't mean somebody who is, who, who, who knows that language and they're translating word from word. What the scripture is saying is somebody that can hear the heart and the voice of God through the tongue, and they can express in your language what God is trying to say, the heart of God. So it's interpretation of tongues, not translation. And if you understand that, that can clear up a lot of a lot of misunderstanding. So that's why I said it's even funnier when people say stuff like, you must have a translator. You must have a translator. No, there's no such thing as the gift of translation of tongues. It's the interpretation of tongues. And the interpretation could be longer. It could be shorter. The interpretation could be done in the action, in a dance. Don't have to be in words. So, 
Could you imagine that? Could you imagine in a church someone gives up and gives a tongue and then some sister gets up and says, I have the interpretation and she and she dances it out. Wow. How powerful would that be? You know, that would the anointing would would just hit the place as we see the word of God expressed and interpreted through dance. You know, we have to we can't just read the Bible. We have to read the Bible. And, and, and we've had these shallow misunderstandings of what tongues and interpretation of tongues and what these things really mean. Does that make any sense to you? It does. Okay, so you clarify the difference between interpretation and translation. Yes. You know, it's quite interesting, isn't yes. it? Yes. So last week we started off in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, follow after love and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. Now, I don't think, actually, now that I think about it, I don't think that we actually discussed all of verse 1 last time. I think that one hour of teaching, we just discussed follow after charity. Because if you look at verse 1, you see the second. It's broken up in the, oh, you have it on your, on your app got, too. And there's different place. sections to this verse. Follow after charity. Is one section. That's mm-hmm. a whole thing that I taught on. I don't know if you saw the video, but that's the whole thing I taught on. Then number two, it says, and desire spiritual gifts. That was the second thing we taught on. Mm-hmm. So we talked about the command of God to desire spiritual gifts. And I'm not going to exhaust it. I'm not, I'm going to stay away from it because if I start talking about it, I, it, it gets deep. Okay, so I'm going to stay away from it today. Watch the last video. Number two. Follow after charity. That's the first part. The second part, desire spiritual gifts. But we didn't get to the third part, which is, but rather that you may prophesy. But rather that you may prophesy. So let's talk about that today as we get into this. Now that we've established there's a difference between interpretation and translation. So here, the Apostle Paul is writing, inspired by the Holy Spirit, And he said to desire the spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. You know what's so funny about this? People that don't believe in tongues, don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, they they obey, they kind of pick and choose what part they want. Mm -hmm. So here it says, follow after love, desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. So somebody says, oh, well, you know, you know, the Paul said the tongues is not the, you know, the biggest, most important thing. Actually, it's better to prophesy. But they don't prophesy either. So mm-hmm. you understand what I'm saying? Right. So like they say, oh, don't do tongues. Tongues not the most important thing, you know, but they don't prophesy either. And, and here he said, most if you're going to do one or the other, mm-hmm. you should, you know, you should prophesy. So people who don't want to get involved with tongues, they don't prophesy either. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like they, they throw the baby and the bathwater out. You know right. what I mean? <clears throat> now, one thing I want to say is two things I want to establish. This whole chapter here, 1 Corinthians 14, mm-hmm. number one, this whole chapter is about what to do in church or what to do in the meeting. So people mm. have a lot of definitions of what church is. Some people say, oh, well, I have church. I get together with my friend and we smoke weed and we and we pull out the book of Revelation and we read the book of Revelation and we get high. 
well, that's not church. You know, I, I would I would define church, uh, and I'll give you the technical term for those people watching who are real technical. The word church means the ecclesia, the called out ones, those who are called out, or the gathering of the called out ones. Mm-hmm. In other words, the gathering of those who were saved out of the world and brought into the kingdom of light. And now they're gathering together. But let me add uh, my interpretation. Gathered together not to smoke weed or not to have dinner, but gathered together for the purpose of worshiping Christ. So when they gather together for worshiping Christ. So when Jesus said, when two or three are gathered in my name, in other words, they're coming together for the point Mm -hmm. of worshiping Christ, not for smoking a joint, not for having dinner. You know, I have church. I I don't go to church. I have church. I meet my friends for dinner and that's church. That's not what the Bible is saying. It's saying in my name, meaning you're gathering purposely to worship Christ and for Christ. So that is having church. And that can be done at a restaurant or a coffee shop. If the intention was to come and to worship Christ, open up the word of God, pray, worship, if that's the intention and the purpose, and that's why you're gathering, mm-hmm. then we could call that church. So this whole chapter, the whole chapter, if you look at verse 6 and verse 9 and verse 23 and verse 26 and verse 33, all of these verses in the chapter are all talking about when you gather, when you assemble, when you get together. As a matter of fact, uh, you can look at it in verse 6 says. Now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, so he's saying, you know, if when I come to you, when we come together, you know, and, and, and the whole chapter is just, you know, if you look at verse 33, you go to 33. It says, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all churches. So he's talking about being in all churches. Let your women keep silence, 34, in the churches. He's talking about being in the church. Verse 26, how is it, brethren, when you come together? So he's talking about when you come together, when you're having church. I think in verse 23, and and there's there's like nine or ten verses here where he says, when you gather, when you come together. Mm. In, uh, In verse 23, if therefore the whole church be come together. Verse 23, if therefore the whole church be come together. So this whole chapter is about what to do and what church should look like when you come together. This is what church should look like when you come together. So it's important to understand that 1 Corinthians chapter 14 was uh, a picture of what the New Testament church looked like when they came together. When they came together, there was tongues. When they came together, there was uh, prophecies. When they came together, there was a sporadic moves of the Spirit. Different people spoke as the Spirit came upon them. If that's what the church services looked like in the early church, I, my question to you is, how much of what their services look like how how much do our services today look like their services? If this is how their service looked, that when they came together, there was prophecies. When they came together, there was tongues. When they came together, you'd walk up to a man and give him an, an unknown tongue. You'd give him a prophecy. When you come together, you'd have a revelation. You have a song. You know, If that's what their church services look like, what their gatherings look like, does that reflect the modern day gatherings that we have today? Our modern day gatherings are a monologue. 
it's one person speaking on a microphone and everybody else is is audience driven where you sit there and you watch one person speak one bible expert talk and then you go home our modern day church services look nothing like the church services in the early church. In the early church, this is what the gatherings look like. One would have a song, one would have a tongue, one would have an interpretation, one would have a divine revelation. In the early church, we saw the Spirit of God would move and hover over the congregation. He would inspire and people would step up and speak and give words of knowledge and words of prophecies. And the Spirit of God was in operation in the services. And these services were meant for believers. And we'll look at that here a little bit lower down because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14 that if one came in that was not a believer. So the idea wasn't that this was a meeting for non-believers. You know, this was a meeting for believers. That's why it said if one came in who was unlearned, they didn't know the way. So the idea was that these were all Christians gathering. These were Christian gatherings. These were church services. And in these church services, they were not monologues done by the pastor, the expert, or the apostle or whatever. But there was actually a moving of the Spirit of God amongst all the believers. And all believers were able to participate in prophesying and healing the sick and laying hands on people. And today, our church services look nothing like the church services in the early church in the book of 1 Corinthians. Isn't that interesting? It is interesting. So that is a very vital point that I would like you to reflect on today is that this chapter is what our services should look like. Mm -hmm. And our services don't look like this. There, Our services are a monologue. And there's no disciples being made in a monologue. Discipleship happens in a dialogue where people could talk. And, and, and pray and ask questions and study the word together. There has to be a dialogue. Jesus had dialogue with his 12 disciples. Why? Because he only had three years to prepare them to be ministers. So he had to have dialogue. What do you say, Paul? Some say I'm this, some say that, but what do you say, Peter? You know, Jesus had dialogue with his disciples. And most times mm. they, their answers were pretty stupid. Most times their answers were not spiritual at all. They were very carnal. They weren't the right answers. But the important thing is they were talking. Mm -hmm. They were being forced to think out and to talk and to question. And why? Because they were being trained. They were being made disciples. So we don't have discipleship making churches nowadays. We don't have New Testament style churches nowadays. We have audience based monologues. In the Western church, it, almost our church services have been fashioned after the, the German education system where there's one instructor and everyone sits and takes notes. And, you know, there's Christians that have enough notes. I mean, they got there's Christians that have notes, you know, piled up in their drawers, notebooks of years and years and years of teaching. But there's no activation. There's no impartation. There's the they can't prophesy. They can't do it. But all they can do is, is tell you stories of a man of God who once did. That is not God's intention for church. God's intention for church is to experience and encounter Christ and be trained and to be activated so you can you can do these things as well. So Paul Amen. is saying you should 
desire mostly the gift of prophecy. That's what he's saying. He says desire spiritual gifts, but mostly desire prophecy. Now, this whole chapter, I want you to see something. This whole chapter is about, we said it's number one, it's about church service. What happens in a church service? What happens when Christians gather? That's what this chapter is about. So if you look at this whole chapter from a bird's eye view, you'll notice that during this service, there's only three gifts talked about. The only three gifts talked about are mainly tongues and prophecy. Tongues and prophecy. Tongues and prophecy. Tongues and prophecy. This whole chapter is about tongues and prophecy with a little bit of interpretation. Why? Because tongues and prophecies are the two primary gifts that should be operating in every church service. So if you're having a church service and you don't have these two gifts operating, then you're you're not having a, a, a Bible, a biblical church service. This whole chapter, there's two gifts running throughout the whole chapter, and it's tongues and prophecy, tongues and prophecy. Why? Because in the church service, it's the Holy Spirit ministering. He's ministering through tongues. He's ministering through prophecy. So it's the Holy Spirit that's ministering and operating through the church. Now, how come the other gifts that we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's, there's nine gifts listed there. How come we don't see the other seven gifts, the other six gifts here in this chapter? Because those other six, seven gifts are not necessarily for a church service. The gifts of healing, the working of miracles, uh, the gift of faith, all of those gifts are primarily to be done in the public square, in the marketplace, outdoors, evangelism, streets winning, soul winning, praying for people on the job, praying for people at the grocery store. That's when those other six gifts are to operate. But in the church, the two primary gifts that should be operating are tongues and prophecy. Tongues and prophecy. Why? Because tongues builds up the believers and prophecies also build up somebody else. So that's why he's dealing, this whole chapter is dealing with just two gifts, tongues and prophecy, tongues and prophecy. And he says that the greatest gift to operate, the, the greatest gift to desire, why? Because he said, verse one, desire. So what's the greatest gift to desire? The gift of prophecy. That should be the greatest gift you desire. Why? He explains to you in verse two why. He that speaks in an unknown tongue doesn't speak to men but to God, for no man understands him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Now let me unpack this for you real quick, and I'm just gonna un I'm gonna unpack this verse, and I'm gonna try and do it in just a few minutes, and then we're gonna be finished for today, and we're gonna go into the next verses uh, later on. Okay. But just in, in, to, for today, we're just going to finish off right here at verse 2. Why does he say desire prophecy the most? He says in verse 2, why? He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him, howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. So <clears throat> let me unpack this verse for you. And then verse 3, let me read verse 3 too, because verse 3 is the second reason why you should desire prophecy. But he that prophesies, he's contrasting prophecy to tongues, but he that prophesies speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. So this is why you should seek to prophesy in every church service. This is the, this is the reason you should desire to prophesy every church service, because... When you're talking to God 
in tongues. No man understands you because you're speaking mysteries. But when you're prophesying, you're in, you're speaking to people, encouraging them, exhorting them, and comforting them. So that's why you should desire to prophesy be, over, over all the gifts in a church service. But here, verse 2, let's break this down here. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, the King James added the word unknown. Okay? So if you want to take that word out, you could say, for he that speaketh in tongues, or in a tongue, a supernatural tongue, speaks not unto men, but unto God. Now, the reason why they put the word unknown here, which I agree with the translators, is because this is not a earthly language. This is not Hebrew, Spanish, Chinese, Japanese. Uh, most Bible teachers, they teach that tongues was given as a way to preach to indigenous groups that did not know your language. Well, that is unbiblical. That is not true. Tongues that came in the book of Acts chapter 2 that began there was not a gift to speak in other people's dialects. And if you go back and you watch our first episode, we teach on that, how that they were not speaking other people's dialects. They were speaking unknown tongues. And the miracle that happened was that those who were listening heard their own language being spoken. And they were shocked because how is it that all of those people could hear their native language when these people were speaking? So that's like if I'm speaking English right now, but there's people from Namibia watching and they hear me speaking in your local dialects. People from Spanish, Spain are watching, they hear me speaking Spanish. People from Russia are watching and they're hearing me in Russian. That was the miracle. How can all these people hear me speaking in their own dialect? When actually, I, I'm just speaking in one thing. And what they were speaking was in unknown tongues. So it was not a way to communicate to people who were, who were not, you know, who, who, who didn't speak the language. Because this was a gift of interpretation that was happening. They were all able to hear it in their own language. But they were speaking themselves in an unknown tongue. So when he that speaks here in an unknown tongue, how do I know that they couldn't understand what they were saying? Because it says here in verse 2, he that speaks in tongues speaks not to men. Or we could say doesn't speak in men's language. How do I know? Because it says right here, but to God, for no man understands him. So if you're speaking in a language that no man understands, that means in Acts chapter 2, they must have been speaking in a language that no man understands. Well, how could the people understand? Because there was a gift also being poured out on the day of Pentecost, which was the gift of interpretation of tongues. That's how they could all hear people in their own dialect. Because when you speak in tongues, no man understandeth him. That gives the translators the liberty and the right to insert the word unknown here. Because this language they're speaking is a language that no man could understand. It's an unknown language. So he that speaks in an unknown language speaketh 
not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him, how be it in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. People always say, I don't know, don't go speaking on all them tongues. You don't know what you're saying. That's right. You're not supposed to know what you're saying. The Bible says here, you know not what you're saying. No man understands you. You're not supposed to understand tongues. As a matter of fact, why would God, you know, why would God give you tongues to speak in if it was something that you could understand? Because other words, your human intellect inability would be good enough. But he gives you tongues because your human intellect is limited. Your ability to think through and to think out and to express is so limited that God had had uh, hotwired your system and gave you the ability to jump that that process and go directly into the battery, directly mm. into the spirit, and be able to hit the power source without having the limitations of how much you know about the Bible Amen. and how much you know about your life and how much you know Amen. about your problem and how much you know about medical science. He, he don't need all that. He he just he just hotwired it so you could go directly to the power source and get direct information from God. So when you speak in tongues, you're not supposed to know what you're saying. People always say when they're when they're getting the gift of tongues and they're always, you know, they're always saying, but I don't know what I'm saying. But, but I don't know what I'm saying. I, I sound like I'm just stuttering. Yes, yes, you're right. You don't know what you're saying. You're mm. not supposed to. First Corinthians 14, 2 says, no man understandeth him. What comes left after nobody? Nothing. Mm. There's nothing left after nobody. No man understands him. How be it in the spirit you're speaking mysteries. So when you're speaking in tongues, you're speaking mysteries. Where am I going to get my rent paid? Where am I going to, you know... Uh, find this 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 part that I need for this situation. Where where am I? How am I going to get this healing? How am I going to mm. overcome this situation? How am I going to get out of this 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 situation or this country or or this thing? Those mysteries. How am I going to get my mother saved? How am I going to get my kids saved? How am I going to you know reach my goal? How am I going to get into that 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 house, that college, that university, that degree? How am I going to mm. do it? Those are all mysteries. So when you pray in tongues, you're praying the mysteries. You're praying the exact answer that you need. So you're not supposed to understand what you're saying. You're supposed to be, this is a gift from God, so you can obtain and move in what you're not, what you don't understand. Because the fact is, the Bible says that we see uh, like in a glass darkly. We don't see the whole picture. We don't understand everything that God's planned for our life. But he gave us the Holy Ghost to pray through us in a language that we don't have limitations with. We don't understand, but in the spirit, we speak mysteries. So you're not supposed to, to, to you're, you're not required to have a translator to speak in tongues. You're not supposed to understand everything you're saying. You have to, you're supposed to have the ability to be able to pray and not have to, and not have have to have understanding, not to have to have insight. There's nothing you need to ha to ha be in the know about, except you need to know how to pray, and God will work mm. it out for you when you have the gift of speaking in tongues. Mm. Now, the inference here is that 
everyone in this church should prophesy and everyone in this church should speak in tongues. The inference here is that everyone in the church should be doing it. That's why he makes it a command. Desire the gift. Why would he want you to desire the gifts of prophecy if you if you can't prophesy that it's only for some certain um, super mystic people in the church? This is for everybody. That's why he says you desire the gifts of the Spirit. You desire, uh, number one, you should desire to prophesy. Because all those things are available for you. God would not tell you to desire something that was not available for you. You know, that would be that would be cruel, you know. But he tells you to desire, to covet, to lust after, to chase after these gifts. And primarily when you're in church, the gift to prophesy so you could encourage other people. Because verse 3 says, he that prophesies speaks to men to edify, to exhort them, and to comfort them. God wants to use you to encourage and comfort other people because in the church service, the spirit of God should be Lord, not the pastor. The spirit of God should be Lord. And what we have is most pastors block out to the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit has nothing to do with the church service because the pastor has an agenda. He has to do his announcements. He has to preach to you that great sermon that he wrote up and, you know, and it's all about him. When actually, when we gather together, the Spirit of God should be the one orchestrating and ministering to people in the service. Mm. How many people come into services suicidal and they leave without their demon being addressed? How many people come in the church demonized and addicted and oppressed and, and so forth, and they leave without their situation ever being addressed because their situation is not on the agenda of the pastor. But when the spirit of God is at liberty to move in a service, those things could be called out. You know, those prophets, somebody could come and say, I'm feeling my spirit, something's troubling you. And then people get ministered to. And my church, we had, um, we've been training our people, training our people. And, and we had one sister named Lucy, who was really sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And she'd be any service, you could see her just shoot out of her chair and shoot across the room mm. and start praying for someone and in the middle of service and somebody's Hallelujah. back there crying. I was never worried about it because I knew Lucy's hearing the Holy mm. Spirit. And sure enough, just like clockwork, every time Lucy shot out of her chair and was praying for somebody, somebody was going through a situation the, the meathead pastor, that was me, the meathead pastor had no sensitivity about why, because I was just thinking about the notes for my sermon. That's all I was thinking about. But I allowed the Spirit of God to move, and those who are sensitive to the Holy Spirit could give a word of prophecy, a mm. word of encouragement to those in the church, and people in my church could be ministered to even beyond my great sermon. You know, why do we put our pastor sermons on such a pedestal anyways? You know, it, it's, it's, it's egotism. Amen. John Ramos mm. is here and he, John Ramos said, amen. Amen. Thank you for that, John Ramos. So anyways, guys, we don't want to keep you long. I'm going to wrap up here at first Corinthians chapter 14, verse two and three. And I might go back next class. Next time we do this. I might go back and talk a little bit more about mysteries, which in the Greek, it means mysterion and how there's mysteries for your life, for your future, for your family. There's mysteries for the nation packed in the Holy Spirit. And I'll give you one testimony on that. Christian, I was uh, 
in Illinois preaching at a small church several years ago. Mm -hmm. And I met this man. I think I have his picture on my phone. And I, he came to the church. He was in his 90s. And uh, this, this old man in his 90s, here's his picture. That's him there. This old man in his 90s at, went out with us to have dinner after the church service. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, you know, he told me his, his story. He said, well, he's a, he's a physicist. Mm -hmm. He's a, a scientist physicist for the Department of Defense. Mm -hmm. And he works for the U.S. military. And he was the one who in 1993 or whatever, when we first made it Iraq, mm -hmm. he developed some type of technology that, you know, to, to an anti-ballistic missile technology. Mm. And he said, the way I invented it is I prayed in the Holy Spirit. I prayed in tongues and then I would go to sleep and God would give me the mystery mm. of, of how to, how to catch their missiles and destroy them before they hit us. He gave me that technology in a dream. Mm -hmm. He says, so in the second Iraq war, they call me out of retirement under President uh, Bush. Mm -hmm. And they said, listen, we've been trying and trying to figure out how to track our military vehicles that go into Baghdad. We want to track them and keep an eye on them and track them, but we, we need to do it in a cheap way. And our budget is X amount of, of uh, millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And can you, can you help us with this? So he said, give me one night. He told, he told the general, give me one night. He prayed in the Holy Ghost all night long, prayed in tongues all night. And then he went to bed at 10 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. When he woke up in the morning, God not only gave him the, in a dream, gave him the mystery on how to track our vehicles, mm -hmm. but also how to track the enemy's vehicles. Mm. And in, in, in the, the, what God showed him, would only cost $5 per unit to build. Mm. Way millions and millions of dollars under the budget of what they thought it would cost them to do it. God gave it to them, a $5 invention that could be made to track all of our vehicles and to even track the enemy vehicles in the second Iraq war. And they, they went to production, they produced that, and they were able to track all of our vehicles that went into Baghdad, track where the enemy was, what he was doing. And all this came by the mystery uh, revealed by God in the Holy Ghost by praying mm. in tongues. Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't that powerful yes. testimony? Yes. So these are mysteries in heaven, you know, divine technologies. Oh, you know, the lights, the satellites, you know, all these things, you know, all these, all these things are divine technologies. They're all in the spirit realm first. They're all in the mysteries of God. And when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you could tap into the mind of God, into the mysteries of God, and take that out of the spirit realm and bring an invention into the earth. Bring a technology, bring mm. a key, bring, bring a strategy into the earth through the spirit realm by praying in the Holy Ghost. This is such a powerful powerful resource that God has given mankind. And that's why the devil fights it tooth and nail. He fights it tooth and nail. And he, one of the main things Satan did as soon as he could, is he got the church to stop 
praying in tongues because he knew that as long as Christians were praying in tongues in the early church, there was no way he could thwart them. So he got them to dumb it down, to stop believing in it, to stop practicing it. So this way, Christians would stay in the dark. And sure enough, the earth went into what's called the dark ages. Was there was no more communication, mm. no more revelation from God, and things got really bad. He got us into the dark ages by cutting off the practice of praying in other tongues. So this is very important. That's why the enemy fights us so much, and that's why I'm very passionate about addressing this topic and teaching it so you have clarity and understanding on this. Amen. Mm, amen. amen. So... God bless here. John Ramos said, good morning. Hallelujah. Mary said, amen. Amen. So true reveals mysteries. Hallelujah. Yes, it does. So we just want to thank you for watching today. We want to encourage you also to sow into the ministry. If this ministry has been a blessing to you in any way, uh, then you should be more apt to give and to sow. We have a we have a budget deficit in the ministry of about ten grand, and and we really need the help of our friends and followers. And we invite you to give, and there's ways to give on the screen and online. And you can also give uh, by mail and all different kinds of ways. Credit card you could give by at going to our website a n i f tulsa, just like our cash app name a n i f tulsa. Well, no, our cash app is All Nations Tulsa, but our website is a n i f for All Nations International Fellowship, A-N-I-F Tulsa. You can give that away too. But before we go, Christian, you have any thoughts or, or questions so far? You know, I think I'm I'm ready to hear uh, next the, the next session here. Okay. <laughs> so I've got a lot of questions. <laughs> well, if you have any special questions, write them down, and we can address them too, or text them to me. Okay. Any questions, text them to me, and we can write them down. Uh, if you're short on time today, then yes. You know, so, so this this one uh, this one I have in specific is the verse here that says, "I would like every one of you to speak in a tongues, but I would rather have you prophecy." Yes. So, break. Can you unpack that? Or yeah. Well, unpack no, that next yeah. week because that yeah, is just that. sticking in my head the differences between the two, why the differences between the two. Yeah, that's a good one. And that is one of the one of the key ones that we want to teach too. So great. So we'll unpack that one next time. What verse is that again? 30, a, was it 20-something? 13. First Corinthians. No, I'll highlight it here in my Bible there. Oh, yeah, it's already highlighted there. Yeah, 13, got it. All right, great. So we're going to address that, and we encourage you all to give the sow into the ministry. We love you. Thanks for watching us on the broadcast today. Uh, God bless you. We had to stop the recording at that point, but you might be listening right now and you say, Pastor Joey, I wanted to pray that prayer. If I was there, I would have prayed with you. I'd like to pray right now, as a matter of fact. I'd like to give my life to Jesus Christ. I would like to have God in my life, and I'd like to know Jesus is my Savior and my Lord and surrender my life to Him. You know, repentance means to turn away from your way of doing things and to turn to God's way. We've done things our own way, 
like they used to say in Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, when I did the 12 steps, they said, your best decisions and your best ways of thinking and your best ways to handle life have gotten you to this situation. And now it's time to trust a higher power. Well, there is no higher power than the God of all the earth. His name is Jehovah. And he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And through him, you can turn from your way of doing things to his way. And his way is the right way because he made you. And he made you for a purpose. And he knows exactly what you need to pull out your potential to forgive you of your sins, deliver you from the things that keep you away from God in a sin and death cycle. And if you'd open up your heart to him right now, together with me, God can begin a new work in your life. So just pray with me wherever you're at, whether you're driving your car, whether you're at home, uh, wherever you are, just, just pray with me and repeat after me. Say, Father, I come to you now in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. I believe that your son died for my sins. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. From this day forward, I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You prayed that prayer. I'd like you to contact me. And we can send you some more resources and materials that can help you start this new life. Because this is the first day of the rest of your life. Email me at joe at nationsabroad.com. Or email the church at nfcontact at gmail.com. And we'd love to speak with you and just correspond with you and put you on the right path. Maybe help you find some local churches there online or something. Or maybe we know some pastors there that could follow up with you and help teach you the Word of God. Thank you for listening. And feel free to download the other podcasts and just feed on the Word of God.